This is the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthworkerCollective.com Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I am Jeremy Steele, and I am here with two incredible youth workers that have failed at least once (laughs) at something. So before we get into talking about some places that we have not done well and uh, what we learned from those, let's just introduce ourselves. If you wouldn't mind telling us who you are, where you're from, where you're serving, all that stuff. Uh, We'll start with you, Chris. Uh, Hey, my name is Chris Lynch. Uh, I serve the South Carolina Conference as the coordinator of ministries with young people. And I feel like I should say I am a failure now that you've given us that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) And Kurt. I'm Kurt Franklin. I am in the Illinois Great Rivers Conference serving as the associate coordinator of camping and youth ministries. Awesome. All right. So I think when you do youth ministry for more than a day, (laughs) you end up with some fail stories, uh, both big and small. So I don't want to call on anybody first. Who wants to share something right off the bat? I'll share one that goes way back. So I was always trying to take, like most youth workers, I'm sure, at least I hope, if you mess two really good ideas, you get a great idea. Right, right. Of course. Yeah, that was the logic behind this. And so I had seen somewhere that someone had played strobe light volleyball at a lock-in. So I decided, well, hey, my kids really enjoy flag football. Oh, no. (laughs) We tried strobe light flag football. In my mind, it was a great idea. I ended up having a young person in the hospital after some stitches in their head. Yeah. uh, Jumped up and tried to catch a ball and, you know, heads hit and... Yes, that was definitely a youth ministry fail. Um, (laughs) I learned from that that you should always test everything before you actually do it. Oh, man. That is if if I had got. Yeah, if I had gotten a uh, strobe light out and put it in that gym before that night, I would have realized <laughs> it really doesn't work as well as you think it might to play strobe light football. <laughs> I learned that same lesson, of course, by, you know how you, you, you become numb, I think, over years to what is and isn't in a movie. Right. And so right. one summer we did a movie day. And for some reason I had been talking to some of the youth that summer and we got on the subject of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> And I, and so I was like, "You guys have got to see this movie." Well, no. I, I, guess I, had, I guess I had watched the TV version too much. In about forty-five minutes into the movie, I'm like, "We're turning this off, guys." Another youth ministry fail. So. Uh, I was in youth. This is one of the best best moments ever. I was in youth. I was a teenager, and the youth pastor was out. One of the volunteers was doing it, and he had one of those video curriculums, like because you have video clip and a lesson to oh, yeah. kind of teach around it. And he didn't watch it beforehand. And, and I, I think it was the movie Big. So he puts it in. And he he has it all queued up to the right place, but he didn't pre-watch it. And he presses play and he's on the backside of the room. You know, it's like 80 kids in between him and the, the VCR, right? Because this, right. this is back I was, when I was a kid. VCR, not when you were using uh, like That's iTunes right. or whatever. That's right. And, and like the clip goes and it's good. All the good meaningful stuff that they said was going to be in the clip is in the clip. And right as it's supposed to stop, 
but he's supposed to pause it. The guy goes into this like profane <laughs> cussing spree, and he's <laughs> and we're all just like sitting there with our mouths hanging open, and he's tripping over all the kids trying to get to the <laughs> to the thing. Yeah. I had a similar moment with watching and of course you couldn't have pre- prepared for this, but I was doing a Super Bowl party the year that Janet Jackson had the wardrobe <laughs> malfunction. Yeah. So we're in our youth room watching the Super Bowl and that happens and it's like, hmm, what do you do with that? You know? There's that. That year we were doing a Super Bowl party and it was the first year that we had thought, you know what, the halftime show is fine, but like it's kind of boring to watch some other random artists. And so we got a local band to come, like high school band to come play our halftime show for like 20 minutes, which was awesome. And I love getting local high school bands to play for stuff because they also promote your event for you. But yeah, they played and we weren't watching it. And it was like, okay, and we're never watching the halftime show again. Right. I had flashbacks to that this year with Maroon 5, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> another podcast for another time. Yeah. All right. So, Kurt, what about you? Do you have a, a fail story? Well, I would say most of my stories are pretty similar in terms of uh, ended in injury or had to do with a movie, in particular with the movies. Older movies didn't have PG-13. Right. Um, <laughs> from PG to R. <laughs> yeah. So definitely not previewing movies was something that I had forgotten to do. On multiple occasions, we had to pause movies and just like voice over something different. Quick, <laughs> uh, <laughs> get through that scene and then the rest was okay. But uh, yeah, others, it's really just like uh, doing something like a slip and slide that ends up with concussions you right. know learning how to properly do things uh, one that we did often like uh, at a pool or something was to grease up a watermelon uh-huh. and play a game with that which sounds like a great idea except for when you throw it in the pool and you smash someone in the face <laughs> within the first five seconds yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, one of my biggest fails, it's it's not really that humorous, but I learned a ton from it. Uh, it was my first kind of paid youth ministry job. I was sharing it with another person and we were at a kind of medium-sized church, you know, a church that's in that in-between spot of being big enough to really kind of want to pay a youth pastor, but not big enough to pay a youth pastor. <laughs> and so I was in college and we went there and and I didn't know that there's kind of just a natural trend line to attendance. And so as things went on in the fall, less and less people were coming. And, you know, I now know that's completely normal. No one needs to freak out. They'll all be back in January. But uh, I was like, wow, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was starting to get the teenager, nobody comes anymore you know, that you get two or three times a year. And so I was like, well, why does anybody come anymore? You know, I'm, I'm 19. I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, well, it's just youth group is too early. And I was like, really? And then somebody else was like, yeah, it's too early. It needs to be a little later. And I was like, well, okay, let's change it. Well, next week we'll do it at uh, an hour later. And I told everybody there and it was great and told everybody at Wednesday night. That was great. And then the next week I had kids show up at the same time. Not a ton of them. <laughs> and I, I talked to the pastor and he's like, well, 
when did, how did you decide this? How did you, and I was like, well, we just kind of decided it. So like I decided to change the time that youth group has been for forever on the spur of the moment and not really communicated it with anybody. And so then you know, like even less kids came and then we had to change it back because I didn't communicate with anybody. And so like within the span of three weeks, we met at four o'clock and then five o'clock and then four o'clock. <laughs> and I, I learned a lot, like you don't need to change things quickly and on the whims of a couple of teenagers that uh, I, I learned about this sort of kind of trend line of attendance. And I also learned that if you make a big change, <laughs> The change has to be on the horizon and you've got to really thoroughly communicate that change in order for everybody to understand what on earth you're talking about doing. So I've got one more too that kind of goes on those lines. It was, it was kind of funny when it happened early on in youth ministry. This is almost, I'm going to date myself, probably 20 years ago or so. And we uh, were at a staff transition point. And so we were looking for a new DCE and I was the youth director. And one of the responsibilities of the DCE back in those days, and this is where well, really for, for people who didn't exist in that decade. Director of Christian Education. Sorry. Thanks for that, man. See, I'm really old. I forget these things. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're looking for a new director of Christian education. And one of their responsibilities was <laughs> to make copies of the cassette tape that was recorded of the service on the Sunday morning. Yes, we actually recorded them on a cassette tape and then made copies of that cassette tape to send to shut-ins. Right. And so I became responsible for that. And each week I had to take the tape and you know, we had this little machine that would duplicate them fairly quickly. Uh, but in the summer, one, one year, I was supposed to have them done by Tuesday morning. One year in the summer, I was in the gym throwing frisbee with a couple of youth that had showed up about 10 o'clock or 10.30. And an older lady who was in charge of the tape ministry comes storming down to the gym and looks at me and asks about her tapes. And I'd forgotten to do the tapes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And of course, she kind of read me a new one. And um, we kind of had the, a moment of making it right and all that kind of stuff. And so it was kind of embarrassing. But what I learned from there was that, you know, a lot of times in youth ministry, we, we think that the most important thing to do is build relationships. And that's true. And that's what I was doing. But I think one of the things it's taught me was you've always you also have to cover the things that have to be done. Mm hmm. You got to take care of the responsibilities that even seem tedious and pointless sometimes to you as a part of a member of a church staff or as a volunteer, or whatever, if there are the administrative things that most employers don't like to do, they have to be done in order for us to be effective at the other part of what we do. Right. So that was a learning for me early on where I screwed up pretty royally. And I still remember that to this day. Yeah, I had a um, at a church and the, the pastor's really good friend had teenagers and uh, his teens were really involved in one of these uh, parachurch youth ministry replacement organizations. You know, like they do everything that youth group does, except they aren't connected to a church. So they were involved in that. They were a leader in that. And they were really active in that, loved it. And they were not involved in the youth ministry. And that bothered the pastor. And I think it bothered the pastor's friend as well. And so every couple of months, I'd had the pastor contact me and say, so what's going on with this kid? And I said, well, they're involved in this other thing. And, and he's like, I, I really want you to try to get them involved in the youth group. So I'd do the normal things. I'd call them, I'd contact them, maybe 
visit them at their school or at a sporting event that they were, you know, all that kind of stuff. The reality was it like really solidly connected to to this other youth ministry organization. They loved it there and God was moving their life there. And so it just kept happening. And I remember sitting in my office being like, why keep having this same conversation with him? It always is uh, this tone of like, I'm not doing my job. And I realized that uh, in my office, knowing that he and he wanted to sit down and talk with me again about the same teenager, I had actually never asked him to define what he wanted me to do specifically so that I could make sure I was meeting his expectations. And so I walked into that meeting, having had probably seven meetings with him about this same thing. He said the same thing. They're not, they're not coming. Why are they not coming? I told him this. We had the exact same dance that we had danced all before. And he said, I really want you to try to get them involved. And I said, all right, I appreciate that. And I will do that, but I need to make sure because it's happened. This has happened a couple of times that I know what you mean by that. And he's like, you know, just try to get him involved. And I was like, okay, I get that. But specifically, like, what do you want me to do? Because here's what I've done in the past. And I kind of told him and I said, I want to make sure that I'm doing what you want me to do. And so he laid out what he wanted me to do. And then I reported back to him that I had done it. And the conversations went from like every couple of months to just once a year. (laughs) But that was a huge learning curve to me to like when a supervisor is asking you to change something that is sort of abstract, you know, like get a kid involved to try to nail down some sort of concrete, some handholds on that so that you can know for yourself that you're meeting their expectations and that they can know that you are following up and doing what you've been asked to do. Before we go, uh, we'll just go around. What's what's the worst injury you've had as a result of something you decided to do? Kurt mentioned earlier slip and slides. Well, I've got two. Can I give you two? Go ahead. <laughs> The two that were the worst, one was we had a slip and slide. And at the end of the slip and slide, we had this family that had this incredible double hill in their yard. So we would do the plastic and make our homemade slip and slide as 100. I would always advertise a 100-yard slip and slide. It was awesome. Uh-huh. But at the end of it, in the early days, I would stake down the end of it. Mm-hmm. And one year, the groove got set. You know, the groove that happens in a, in a homemade slip and slide. The groove started leaning to the left a little bit. And I had a kid that slid over the stake. Oh and my gosh! And six stitches in his bum. What? Uh, so that was a pretty ugly. One. So don't stake down the end of the slip and slide. Just let it That's go. That's right. That's a fact. The other one in my probably my claim, <laughs> my most infamous thing ever was on a mission trip, and we were using nail guns, and I was using the nail gun. And we were trying to nail a rail onto a front porch at a 90-degree angle, and the only way to do it was for me to stand on a ladder on the outside of the porch and have one of my youth on the other side holding the end of the 2 by 4 And I don't know if you know anything about nail guns, but nail guns have a mechanism that in order to work, once you shoot it, you have to stop, let off the trigger, reset everything and then pull the trigger again well this one malfunctioned and on a ladder leaned into my shoulder and shot it when i did i shot it i heard the nail go and i saw one nail and i said to the young lady at the other side i said where'd that other nail go and she held up her left forearm and it was in her forearm oh my gosh yeah so that was the worst ever so i actually took a picture of her with that nail in her hand in her arm oh no (laughs) 
every year I had an eight by 10 every year, the mission trip meeting with the parents, I would tell the kids that if they acted up, the first warning was a, the first warning. Was a warning. The second one, I called their parents. The third, I would, I would use a nail gun. <laughs> of course, I was completely joking, and they knew that. Yes, and that was the worst one. We had a great nurse who walked into the into the room when she was there. We ended up going to two urgent cares and flying to a hospital, and the hospital would see us. And they had this great nurse who really put her at ease. She was a trooper. She never cried. I didn't want to take the nail out because I was afraid it would start gushing blood. So right, we right. brought the nail in her arm. So she's got this nail in her arm. I'll never forget the guy. He was a bald male, a bald nurse. He walks in, looks at her. He had a beard. And he goes, what's going on? And she raises her hand up. He goes, cool, body piercing. So um, that was his uh, his first thought was, oh, great, this girl got a body piercing. Uh, so, uh, the worst, those are the worst two injuries I ever had. Yeah. Kurt, what do you got? Yeah, well, I would say the worst injury I probably had was mostly just a little accident. We were at a higher ups course. Everything went really well uh, as we were leaving. Uh, one of the kids was running towards the bus and stopped abruptly in gravel fell and cut their knee open and we were about an hour from a hospital so mm -hmm. that was less than exciting um, <laughs> about 15 <laughs> stitches across the knee oh jeez. but more injuries from stupid things i've done capture the flag at nighttime so <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a whole lot of fun you should have used a strobe light kurt that would have definitely helped oh of course <laughs> was that thinking? <laughs> so uh, it wasn't too bad, but we ended up with a broken hand because they ran into a trash can. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think my worst, at least the weirdest, maybe, injury I've had. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Uh, it's kind of, they have them at, like, fairs, but you can rent them from, like, those inflatable places. But it's, like, three concentric circles, and a person climbs in the middle and holds on and gets strapped in. And then, it, like, they, like, pivot at different angles. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's supposed to yeah. mock weightlessness, right? Right, or something. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So this had like a crank that you cranked, and it <laughs> spun the person. It made it spin, which I've never seen since then, by the way. This is um, just starting out great. I can't wait to hear the conclusion of this. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, we have volunteers that have to... You know, you've got to sign a paper saying you've got adults at each of these things or whatever. So I did. I had a had an adult there doing the crank thing. And then uh, it was at a Super Bowl party. Yeah, I wonder if it was that same one. It might have been because it was the same church. Well, at halftime, everybody comes in for the halftime show that we put on. Then we were going to go back out and do the thing. Well, at the end of the halftime, this kid comes in like freaking out and and i said well, what happened and he was like well james went on the thing and i cranked it and, and he just kept wanting me to go faster and faster and faster and he's like and like he is messed up <laughs> and so like i go out there and the kid's face is like beat red like not okay but i figure he's just probably sick you know to motion sickness and his but he's like head is kind of hanging down when i get up to him he looks up at his at me and his eyes had filled with blood like the whites of his eyes were blood red and Gosh. and i was like Whoa. and so like we get him to the doctor and they 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 look him over and apparently it's just like a g-force thing like you're the capillaries in your eyes can burst and it has 
no real way to treat it unless you're like in the cockpit of an airplane, you know, continually doing this. There's it just goes away after a while. But it took him like weeks for it to go away. But man, I I thought this kid's gonna die. Like <laughs> this is not normal. <laughs> but it also taught me to like pay attention to whatever is happening. We're in here. If two kids sneak out to the inflatables, like we never rented an inflatable that we couldn't like turn off and just it would deflate. You know, again. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for talking through some of those. You know, I think uh, whenever I get to hear these, I always, when I think back about my early days in youth ministry, I was like, you know, I wish I had heard some of these stories because I had a friend do the the same strobe thing. Like, it, and once you hear it, you're like, you know what? That's actually a bad idea. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, but definitely is. So when, but that's why we do this. You know, when you sit down, get online to do youth ministry, we don't want you to feel like you have to do it by yourself. We want to know that we've got your back with games and ideas and coachings and podcasts like this one. You can find all of that at the youthworkercollective.com and more podcasts like this at youthworkercollective.com slash podcast. <laughs> <laughs>